So, a very good evening and welcome to this special edition of Irish Whiskey Review. And tonight, we go live to England to talk to uh, a, a gentleman who is a, an expert on English whiskey, if there ever was such a thing. Is there, Marty? Justin, this is this is uncharted territory for me. This, that, I feel like Neil Armstrong. We're going to places that, 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 that no people have never been before, you know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Listen, that's what everybody else was saying. Uh, so, uh, Richard, tell us about English whiskey. Why does it exist? Well, look, I'm, I'm no expert in the traditional sense of the word. I'm merely a, a very enthusiastic amateur. Um, but English whiskey is just extraordinarily exciting. You know, we're, we're in a sort of a hiatus of, of distilleries starting to produce whiskey. That which is out there is, is fantastic. Um, English whiskey company um, in Norfolk sort of kicked the ball off in um, in the early 2000s. And, you know, sort of 15 years later, there's now almost 26 distilleries uh, in the process of producing whiskey here in England. So it's definitely the right time to, to get interested and get involved. Okay. So uh, yeah. you, you've done all this in uh, lo lockdown. Uh, I mean, it... Uh, Marty, what do you think of England finally getting their act together and uh, doing a whiskey? Well, the thing about it is uh, England's sort of always been associated with gin uh, and, the, and the sort of big heavy peated malts from, from Scotland never really made their way to England. It was always seen as being a, a bit too rough and coarse for the, for the English palate. Um, I, I have this book, Justin, literature. This is Alfred Bernard's uh, 1885, he went round the British Isles to go to all the different distilleries. And in it, he says that England has 10 licensed distilleries, uh, most of them confined to manufacture of plain spirit. So it's just basically neutral alcohol. Uh, but there's four whiskey distilleries, two, two in Liverpool, which had a big Irish uh, population, and then one in Bristol and one in East London. So uh, there's not a great tradition of whisky in in England, uh, but all these new distilleries, I mean, there's, there's almost as many distilleries now in England as there is in Ireland. Yeah, I mean, look, you can see behind me, whichever way I go, it's the wrong way. Uh, you know, <laughs> there's a lot of English whisky out there now, um, which is really exciting. And, and it's fantastic. You know, we've got um, whisky from pretty much all four corners of England, um, we've got whiskey in Yorkshire, the lakes, all the way down through Shropshire, the Cotswolds, into the West Country, um, all the way down into Cornwall with Hicks and Healy, uh, and then back over to Kent. So, you know, the, the whole country is getting on board. But it's not just a, a hobby. It's not just a fad. You know, these are really serious distilleries producing really exciting products that, you know, are, are very different to what you get in Scotland and, and for very many reasons. And, and I think the thing about it is, with all the, the, the new expressions coming through in, in England, some of it's craft, some of it's probably not going to be the mainstay of the distillery overall because they're, they're, they're primarily gin manufacturers. But some of them are quite big operations. You know, they're, they're major. They're, they're heading towards being major players. Maybe not just there yet, but it certainly looks that way. Look, definitely. I mean, there's plenty that have set out with the, the purpose of creating English whiskey. Um, and they're doing so in a variety of different ways. You know, they've got different equipment, different processes. The products themselves are very different. 
but yeah of course there's you know there's some that are you know Cotswolds now is stocked in Waitrose and Sainsbury's which is a huge achievement for such a, a small distillery that's only six years old um, but the entire production from England the entire output is equivalent to a, you know a single scotch distillery a single large one so it's a very different playing field yeah um, one of the one of the interesting things that most people don't appreciate for certainly for scotch is that most of the barley is grown in England you know <laughs> they don't like being told this this is this is a bit of a third on their side but Scotland the, the climate just the, if you planted barley across the whole of Scotland it wouldn't be enough so they have to import most of it from from England so there's there, there's a there's an argument to be had about the, the sort of idea of terror with with the they have with wine. Uh, do you get that with with whiskey? I I have my doubts in many instances. You know, some of the the, the Scottish distilleries they import barley from from England. They distill it on site and then ship it down to Glasgow to to mature. And so I I, I have I have. <laughs> misgivings about the, the idea of terror with, with whiskey and such. But in terms of English whiskey, do you see a, a style appearing or, you know, different regions possibly heading, having different sort of takes on, on whiskey or is it just... I, I don't think regionality comes into it so much as the individual distillery's identity. I mean, if you take Yorkshire, for instance, You've got Spirit of Yorkshire producing a spirit in a much more traditional way that you might associate with Scotland. You know, they've got the Forsyth Stills and, you know, they work with Jim Swan on the setup. Then also in York, you've got Cooper King um, and they were inspired by whiskey production in Tasmania and have imported a Tasmanian still. And it's a very different process. But I think I think locality and whether you call it terroir or just, you know, sourcing locally and sourcing quality ingredients, I think plays a really integral parts of to all English whiskey distilleries because at the scale that they're operating at, at the, the size that they're operating at, they can actually afford to work with single farms or you know at least single regions of, of barley production. Um, you know, we've got Bimber in, in West London. Um, they definitely don't have a you know Scotch brook to get their spring water from. Um, <laughs> but but you know they're working with with really high quality barley from from single farms, they're working with Warminster maltings with their own malting floor. So I think that the kind of um, the care and attention and love and passion that goes into English whiskey is, is, is something that, while it's not unique, I think because it's at the outset, you're getting a lot of excitement and a lot of um, focus on the quality and, and focus on the quality of the liquid um, yeah. that people can then enjoy. I think there, there's certainly similarities between English whiskey and Irish whiskey. Because Irish whiskey, barring a few of the, the big players, they're all new. I mean, they're all, in many ways, finding their feet. And okay, they can hark back to this distilling tradition in Ireland for, for a long, long time. It comes from here, whiskey. But a lot of them are new setups, or new business ventures. They're, they're experimental casks. Um, you know, they're new still designs, new... So in some ways, it's England's maybe five, ten years behind us, but it, it's not this summer. You know, it's not. It's a summer story. Yeah, I guess the difference is we didn't have those big uh, established distilleries already up and running uh, to sort yeah. of, you know springboard off. I mean, the, the, the photos that Justin's scrolling through here are from my 
trip to Bimba, which, as I said, is, is on an industrial estate in West London. This was actually the first distillery I ever set foot in. So I, I hadn't done the traditional <laughs> go to Scotland and see the beauty and the splendor. It's literally next to a Chinese snack factory. Um, and, and I thought I was in the wrong place at first. But on this small site, this unassuming little shed, as it were, you know, Bimba are producing really, really amazing spirit. Um, that's, you know, when they do release, it sells out in, in hours, if you know, minutes in some cases. Um, yeah. But it's that small batch. It's, it, it is something to get excited about. And, and that's the, the fantastic thing, whether you're in West London or West Yorkshire or, you know, the lakes, then, you know, there, there's a distillery near you. Somebody's yeah. asked a very good question here, Marty. Uh, Colin Galt has asked, would there be barley left for Scotland? <laughs> Well, put it like this: uh, there was there was pictures done the rounds not that long ago of uh, Swedish barley being imported into Scotland, which caused a bit of an outrage. <laughs> but there's, I mean, the, the the climate in Scotland's just not conducive to having uh, huge amounts of barley. There are there are distilleries that grow their own barley, but it's in fairly limited amounts. When you take somewhere like Cardew, the amount, I mean, they're selling millions upon millions of bottles every year. They're just There's no way that the Scottish agriculture could support that. So it has to come up. There's plenty of room. Don't worry, there'll be plenty of barley growing all over the place, you know? <laughs> yeah, I definitely don't think we're going to run out anytime soon. But obviously the weather, you know, the weather plays a big part in it as well. So. Well, surely. Yeah. Justin, Justin, I'm going to show you a wee surprise here. Hang on. All right, I, li I like wee surprises. Do you know what that is? That's a glass of water. How often have you seen me drinking water, Justin? I, I don't. I don't know. I thought it was maybe gin that one of the English distilleries has, has sent you over. And you, uh, this is possibly the first time on this that I've drunk water, and <laughs> in, in its natural state. Uh, don't worry. I think Richard's uh, drinking whiskey as well. <laughs> now, now, listen, Richard. There's a number of uh, distilleries involved in this. I mean, uh, quite quite a, about a third of the English ones are involved in this. Uh, how do people go about getting tickets? Because I'm putting on screen. This is the Eventbite link uh, and the brand. And if people click in the uh, side column, they can actually get straight through to this if they're interested. Do we still have time for people in uh, Northern Ireland, Ireland? Or, to, to, to join up because it's still two full working weeks away, isn't it? Yeah, so we've, we've, um, we've had a few challenges. You know, it's the first time doing this. We've had a few challenges with um, some of the packaging and distribution. So um, we've actually had to end ticket sales for everywhere other than mainland UK, which is obviously really, um, really yep. annoying. But, um, but yeah, if you are in the UK, then you can still buy tickets. Um, we've got another week of ticket sales uh, going, going on. And... Um, we, we're trying to work out a way that we can still allow people access to the festival, even if they don't have a tasting pack. So uh, watch this space if you're if you're in Ireland or the rest of Europe and, and would like to still participate. Okay, because uh, obviously, uh, well, COVID nineteen is 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 putting a kibosh on a lot of stuff. We've been waiting for things to be delivered, and the, the last tasting they only got the the bottle. For this tasting, for the last tasting in England, if you know what I mean, it was it was crazy. It was it was uh, it was it was it was madness. Now you've got a lot of other people on board uh, with this as well, don't you? 
yeah, we've got a great lineup of hosts um, and other people sort of taking part. So um, Matthew Wright, um, as you might know from, from TV, um, he's actually opening the festival uh, with our first session. Matthew's become a bit of a kind of English whiskey mascot in a way. So he's, uh, he's forged a strong relationship with, with Bimba, who I mentioned earlier, um, and he was involved in their session at the Summerton Festival, which was one of the first big online uh, whiskey festivals during lockdown. Yes, he's actually a big angler and and whiskey uh, connoisseur as as well. Uh, so so he's he's sort of your keynote opening speaker. But you, you've got a lot of other other sponsors involved as well. Yes, so um, we're really excited. We've got Two Keys, which is a, um, a London-based mixer company who make premium mixers. So that we've got some some lovely uh, green tea mixer, which goes really well with whiskey. Um, and one of their brand ambassadors is doing a, a cocktail uh, for one of our cocktail sessions. Um, and as you can see there, we've got Indie Bay, who make these amazing uh, pretzel snack balls, which, which are really delicious and go really well with whiskey. Um, and then we've also got um, Love Corn, uh, who obviously make fantastic roasted flavored corn snacks. Um, so yeah, lots of little things to enjoy on the side alongside the, uh, the whiskey samples and, and the various spirits that we've got in the packs. So what are you expecting from this? Because you've probably others seen uh, the likes of maybe Belfast Whiskey Festival and other ones that Marty spoke for 18 hours at, Marty. Yeah, so it was a, it was a marathon. No, uh, I mean, the likes of this, this is the first English whiskey festival of, of really any description. Um, and the fact now you've had to do it online, that it seems everything has to be done online these days. But... Where do you see it going? You know, for next year, fingers crossed, we we're out of all of this. And um, do you see having the same sort of online, maybe with live stuff mixed, or you know, what what's what can we look forward to? Essentially, I, th I think online tastings have become a thing that are here to stay. I think they're a really important part of the mix. Um, Obviously, we all want to get back to, to meeting and, and sharing whiskey in person. That's a very important part of what this industry stands about. But online tastings allow you to, to reach a new audience. Um, it's also a lot less intimidating. You know, going to a whiskey club or a whiskey bar for some people that first time. I remember the first time I did it. You know, I went to a London whiskey club event, uh, you know, with some kind of you know, whiskey royalty in attendance. And it can be really intimidating, even if you think you know your stuff. So I think online is a great way to get people involved, get them excited. Um, and almost be the gateway into then, you know, joining a local whiskey club, going to festivals. But hey, even, even the whiskey show have had to do it online this year. So everybody has to do it online this year. But uh, me and me and Justin have been doing these now for a few months, uh, and we've done a few whiskey tastings. And I try and not have brand ambassadors sitting here, you know, guys from the distillery, because it's a bit like teacher in the room. And people often think when they're tasting whiskeys. Am I doing it right? Am I, you know, am I doing this right, or have I said something that's wrong? And I know exactly what you mean. There's, there's this innate sort of pressure on you to, to do. A, have I said exactly the same as this other guy? Well, if you do, you've probably read his notes. You know, it's, it's that's not how it works. So I, I totally get where you're coming from. You know. Yeah, and actually, that's one of the things that we're quite excited about with the festival and the, the structure that we've created. So rather than ju just tasting the whiskies and talking about the whiskies, we've actually created a, um, a series of sessions where um, members of the distilleries, but also our hosts are going to really um, delve into topics that we feel are really relevant to the English whiskey scene at the moment. Um, and obviously around 
the production process and, and what makes each of their products unique. So it will be less of a lesson and a lecture and more of a kind of a discussion and open yeah. forum and obviously taking questions from, from the audience as well and making sure that it's really interactive and uh, it's not just a broadcast. There's some international names in the host there as well, uh, Richard. Yeah, so uh, you've got a photo of Felipe. So, yeah, we've got a great lineup of hosts. Felipe is, is a Forbes uh, whiskey writer. He's also the co-founder of the Rhythm and Booze Project. So they, they pair music and alcohol, which are, I think, the two fantastic passions to put together. Um, in fact, they've actually just released their own first whiskey, um, which I think is a 31-year-old grain. So, yeah, he's, he's very um, very passionate about whiskey. We've got Tim, who you've brought up. So uh, Tim Etherington-Judge. Um, he's actually the, the co-founder of Avalon Spirits, which is a sustainable Calvados brand. Uh, but he's also a sort of champion of, uh, you know, positive wellness in the hospitality industry um, and sustainability, which is very important to them and is also a really you know, passionate um, subject for many of the distilleries in England as well now. And we've sure, got yeah. Amy, Amy Seaton as well from Birmingham Whiskey Club. Um, so Amy's actually been heavily involved in, in sort of the planning and um, helping get this, this festival off the ground. So it's great that she's going to be hosting one of the sessions as well. Fabulous. We're getting some great questions in tonight. Uh, Patrick is asking, is English whiskey restricted by any kind of technical file? Oh, you're really, you're challenging me now. Look, I'm not, I'm not a, an expert on distilling law, but the, the bottom line is that Scotch is very restrictive. There are some really, yeah, hard set rules and regulations. Obviously, some of those are the same for English whiskey. It's got to be three years old. Um, to be called a single malt, it's got to be malted barley. Um, but actually, there is a lot more flexibility in England because we don't have that um, sort of equivalent of the Scotch Whiskey Association dictating too many of the variables of how you can create your spirit. So I think that's exciting. It leads to innovation. It leads to things that may, may not work, but, you know, that kind of experimenting is, is always great to happen at the, at the outset of something. Um, I think at some point in the future, there will be a at least a definition of what English whiskey is. Um, and I know that the distilleries are sort of having that conversation in the background, but for now it's the wild west and people can pretty much do what they want as long as they hit those, uh, those core basics. Yeah, get off the horse and drink the milk. <laughs> well, there's no geographical protection for, for English whiskey. So really, as you say, it's, it is a wild west. I mean, they can really mix and match and do what they want. Um, I would be interested to know would they do different um, barley grains? Uh, because the, I think English whiskey would probably rely on single malt. I, I don't know whether they would be wanting to venture over into a pot still category, you know, the, the, the Irish. What Patrick's getting at there is traditionally Irish pot still whiskies had really quite wide and varied mash bills. Hmm. But now they've come up with a technical file, which is some people are say it's quite restrictive. It's not really historically accurate, but it is what it is. If you want that geographical protection, then you kind of have to trade that off with innovation. And in England, I think they have, they, they, it is like the Wild West in many ways, you know, a bit like Tasmania, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And look, you know, a lot of distilleries are just, just working with barley, but you've got Oxford Artisan, um, well, the Oxford Artisan Distillery, other, otherwise known as Toad, which, which I love anyway in its name, but they're working with lots of heritage grains. So they make a fantastic rye uh, spirit, which will become a rye whiskey. And, and, you know, that's very different to, to a, lot of, a lot of people's perception of what English whiskey is. 
Um, we've also got, you know, real experimentation with casks and with process. So, you know, um, Deval Gandhi from the Lakes, uh, you know, previously from McCannon, um, he's not trying to replicate what he did previously. It's very much about taking the opportunity to find the best of everything and source the best of everything. And if it doesn't exist, then make it um, and really bring that level of, I guess, science and precision into the process to, to deliver fantastic spirits at such a young age. And I think that's the other thing to remember is when you drink English whiskey, uh, English whiskey company have an 11 year old whiskey, age statement whiskey out. But most whiskey from sort of the Cotswolds or other places, you're not drinking much more than four or five years. You know, it's, it's amazing that the quality is, is what it is uh, straight out the gate for so many of these distilleries. Yeah. You come in there, Justin? Yes. Well, what, what I was going to ask you is a lot of these English distilleries already have the gin brands. Uh, I've noticed that a lot of them do have, you know, other things like rum as well. Uh, how many of them are are going to be purists and just go down the whiskey route? I mean, obviously, it changes distillery by distillery. I I love all of the whiskey that England is producing, just because it's all different, you know, and, and it's it's always a different experience. Henstone, for instance, have have won many many awards for their gins. But they've got a, um, a corn dog liquor, which is a bourbon style whiskey, and they're experimenting with, you know, with corn in the mash bill. Um, they've got their uh, inaugural whiskey, you know, on its way, you know, maturing. So um, each style is so different. You know, they're all using different equipment. You look at the stills, um, you know, Henstone are, are using this kind of German uh, coat still, which is obviously uh, fantastic for making gin, but also allows them to make whiskey and other spirits. As I said, uh, Cooper King have got their Tasmanian still. We've got, you know, uh, Brandy and Calvados stills in the mix there. Um, Oxford Artisan, again, have had their still made bespoke, uh, I think, by a shipbuilder. And it's, it's very kind of uh, Nautilus themed. Uh, you know, it's, it's an amazing thing to look at. It's a real kind of Victorian, um, you know, inspired uh, steampunk contraction. So... <laughs> I don't know where this started, sorry, but I've gone off on, on sort of the, the array. No, that, that, that's, that's the best way to go, you know. I mean, clearly, clearly, as you know, from my technical experience this evening, technology is not my forte, uh, which is why I'm probably a little bit darker and uh, I don't know what my audio is like. But um, Do they not have electricity in England? We had a barn <laughs> in 1917. Switch the lights on. <laughs> put a, a copper penny in the meter. <laughs> 50p. Go, and ask, go and ask the neighbour for 50p's. <laughs> uh, so, so, so listen, are, are you at the panic stages now? You know, you've done all this through lockdown. Are you breaking it, so to speak? Well, look, it, this is a hobby. This is, you know, I've got a day job. We've got two young children. So um, it, it's been a monumental challenge. Um, I don't think my wife would ever let me do it again quite like this, but... Um, you know, we, we've had a, a load of help from, we've got a sort of a committee of people who, who are supporting, um, which is fantastic. The distilleries have been really supportive um, and it re is very much a partnership. But yeah, it's, you know, it's getting close now. We want to make it a brilliant experience for everyone that, that attends. Um, obviously tickets are still available for people that want to join. And then there's all the logistics in the background getting tasting packs out. But um, yeah, I just can't wait for it to start now and, and it's going to be a great weekend of, uh, you know, of tasting fantastic English spirits, but also just hearing from the people behind why why they are doing what they're doing and, and what inspired them. So it's going to be great. So have you had any people coming out of the woodwork that maybe before would have poo-pooed English whiskey, like, I don't know, maybe Americans or Japanese people or anything like that there? 
we've had quite a lot of requests actually from, from Americans if they can buy tickets and get the tasting packs. And sadly, we can't ship to the US for, for, for tax reasons. But um, again, you know, hopefully that's something we can we can overcome in the future. But it's amazing how quickly something like this spreads and, and the sort of reach. We've got quite a few people in, in continental Europe taking part. And um, and obviously, you know, we've, we've got we're definitely shipping some packs this week to Ireland. So, uh, yeah, and, and we've got Scots. So, you know, everyone's getting involved. Everyone's interested, I think, in what English whiskey is uh, and obviously will be. OK, Molly, any any final questions for Richard? Because we're uh, well, well we, can, we can we can run as long as you want tonight. But we uh, we wanted to fit you in in the hope that you can logistically get stuff over uh, to, nor to Northern Ireland or, or maybe even uh, down south, the Republic of Ireland. Uh, but uh, it's, it's going to be it is going to be tight. I, I know I know that. No, well, I, I think the thing about it is it's it's another whiskey category that's coming along. And, and you I think you'll start to see a sort of synergy between Ireland, Scotland and England uh, where you'll get obviously the big players will get theirs bit into it but you, you'll start to see there's lots of new innovation and you'll start to see people copying and you know taking and you know sharing information in ireland the the irish whiskey association has a like a mentoring program which if you start a new distillery they they, they realize that a rising tide sort of lifts all ships and uh, so in england I, I you could see how that would work out you know you have the big players coming in and other people coming in sharing information and growing and as long as as long as there's good spirit coming out it's all be it's all been there and behind you know yeah definitely and that's that's what's you know that's what's so exciting is that there's stuff now being laid down that we won't get to try for three years but that will be that distillery's first ever whiskey and, and that's happening across the board all the time in england so you know it's a very exciting time to get involved and and you know if you're in england go and find find your local distillery because you're probably not that far from one yeah well that's it and and the fact that gin, the gin craze, I think everybody's sort of of the, it's kind of at saturation point now. That, you know, there's really not that much more innovation to be had in gin. I don't think, I don't know enough about it, if I'm totally honest. But I think with with whiskey, you've got all these new new expressions, new ideas, new distilleries, all of this. And, and it's all there. And the more the merrier, you know. Yeah, you can see our uh, our little sample bottles that uh, that have been being bottled this week, um, which is really exciting. You know, that was just a that was a sort of pipe dream many months ago. So to see that happening now and, and know that we are getting the product out to people is is really exciting. And yeah, festival's going to be great. But you know, this is all about the distilleries. It's all about their products. And, and as you say, some of them have gone for that pure whiskey route. Some of them have gone for. Um, for that gin and, and, and other spirits in the meantime, but it's that eclectic mix of, of approaches that I think makes it really interesting at the moment. Yeah. Um, actually, my, my, my wife is writing a note here saying that if you order um, tonight, if you order tonight for Northern Ireland um, or, or the Republic of Ireland, we will make sure uh, that if you order tonight, we'll make sure that we get whiskey to you. Okay, so that, that's the link on screen beneath me here, okay? It, it's coming up on screen here, actually. Does it? Yeah, I think it does. Yep. There it is there. That link clicks you through, and that's how the order, and you can see it's 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 from, you know, be, be appreciated. Go for the high-end package to make sure you get it, okay? There, there, there you go. That's how that's how you, how, how you get it. Are you still doing a wee bit of a discount for us, are you? 
Uh, we've got a flash sale on uh, some tickets at the moment this weekend, but okay. um, uh, you'll have yeah you have to check out. I, I'm not sure we need to put the the Europe, the non mainland Europe uh, UK ones back on sale for tonight. So I'll do that straight after this, and uh, yeah, you have to check out the link. Oh, okay, okay. Does your wife not appear on camera? Is she a skirty cat? Is she no? She does. She she keeps me in check. She does all the admin. She knows how to turn the lights on. Clearly. Is she like Arthur Daly's wife? She doesn't really <laughs> exist, is she? And mind her, is it? Is that is that what it is? Uh, I, I owe her a huge amount, a huge debt for this uh, this festival. In fact, yeah. when we did the tasting on St George's Day back in in, in April, uh, we had six distilleries and we we sent um, eight whiskies to fifty people each. Um, we did a lot of hand bottling and hand labelling, uh, and I thought she would never let me do another event again. So uh, the fact that she's still here by my side, uh, helping me, she's putting the tickets live right now on Eventbrite. So um, <laughs> it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely a partnership here at this end. I know people don't realize the work that goes into this. Uh, Michael Matthews is saying, uh, uh, Arthur Daly called her her indoors, I'd say. That, 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 that's it. it. It is a lot of work. It is all hands on deck, Richard. Uh, so so listen, how is it going to work on the day? What are, you, what are you doing it by? Are you doing it by Zoom? Are you doing it by uh, Facebook ticketing? Or, or are you in the process of working that logistics out? Uh, we, we've got the logistics, thankfully. Uh, so it will be on YouTube. There'll be um, a link that only ticket holders will have access to, which will be sent out this week. Um, and so, yeah, it'll be through the YouTube platform um, in terms of viewing the sessions. Um, and, and we're obviously using some other technology at the back end. But. Yeah, excellent stuff. That, that's a, a wonderful way to do it. Private link, YouTube. You can catch us, as you know, on Irish Whiskey Review on YouTube and Irish Whiskey uh, Review on Facebook. Do add us on YouTube because then you can see all the archives of the stuff. You, you've got a wee bit of an archive going there yourself, uh, Richard, as well, haven't you? Do you mean this? Yeah, that, that, that's not too, that's not too that's not too shabby looking. What, what's your favourite whiskey yourself? Is it is it peated ones? Is it is it uh, you know foreign ones or, or, or what, what's your tipple? Um, you have to say an English one. You're just trying to beat him here now, Justin. You're trying to beat I'm him. I'm not trying to beat him. I'm, I am not trying. I am not trying to beat him at all. No, no, no. no. I'm still I'm still in that phase. You know. Whiskey's been in my life for about four or five years, really. So, you know, I'm still in that phase where I'm just open to trying everything. Um, the best whiskey is the one in your glass that you're enjoying. So, um, you know, I love recommendations from people. Um, and the great thing, obviously, you know, about working within the sector is that you come across things and people recommend things that, that you wouldn't necessarily know about. So, yeah, right now I'm, I'm actually drinking the um, English whiskey company's rum cask small batch. Which is yeah, I'm, I'm a fan of a rum cask. Um, I, I'm not uh, rum. I find quite sweet, uh, so it needs to be it needs certain rums I can take, and other ones it's not really for me. Uh, but I like a rum cask whiskey, uh, and if uh, I would recommend um, Kildowen dark rum cask from Ireland. Uh, if, you, if you ever find yourself in the glens of Antrim, uh, come over and I'll get you a rum cask for uh, Kildowen. That sounds like a, that sounds like an offer I'll have to take you up on at some point. You do that, my friend. You do that. So one of the few places that people can actually go here uh, and maybe feel safe because you have the NHS is across the water to England. Uh, are some of these distilleries 
back open to the public or, or are they doing hand gel at the minute? Because I've been to Adams and uh, Adams and Southwold there uh, where uh, Michael Palin's from uh, and it's it's a fabulous place. It's a fabulous place. I mean, it, there's other breweries like Great Newson Brewery that do the Indian Pale Ale and stuff like that. I can see them going into things like whiskey now that whiskey's in, in the ascendancy and the renaissance. Which one would you recommend people visit? I mean, I, I know that White Peak have tours open, Cotswold uh, back on the tours. Um, I think you know, I think most of them are, are, are probably doing some kind of uh, you know managed opening, socially distanced opening. Um, I mean, you mentioned Adnams. I mean, that's a, a fantastic story because they had to get the law changed to actually allow them to place a distillery within the brewery. Um, that wasn't actually that wasn't actually allowed when they when they set out. So um, you know that, that that was an amazing sort of achievement because otherwise. That what, what sits on site now wouldn't be the same at all and they've got those fantastic um, copper stills um, but yeah I mean I think that the, the point is even if you're in London you know you might think you're not going to be near a distillery because distilleries are in the countryside or you know um, in those traditional places that you imagine the distillery to be uh, and yet we've got distilleries in you know in sort of city centres in, in London and Bristol um, you know and, and even if you're in cities like Manchester you know they're just over the hills in the peaks in Macclesfield so Wherever you are, get, go and find your local uh, or your nearest English whiskey distillery because they are everywhere now. Yeah. Are, are you trying to go round them in, uh, well, you could do one a weekend over 33 weekends now, whereas we, we, are, we, are, we intend to do that in Ireland, but, uh, you know, they even don't like you going to Donegal at the minute. Uh, <laughs> You're not we're not allowed, but you know, it, you know, it would take you an entire year going to one one a day in Scotland, and then you've got the islands to get to, which doesn't really make it easy at all. You know, unless they build a bridge to Scotland, and then yeah. it'll be not too bad for the us. Bridge, Lawrence's bridge. Yeah, it'll, it'll just it'll just add about fifty quid to each of our taxes for the next fifty years. You know, it only costs fifty billion quid. Um, but I think, uh, I think after what he spent in the last in the last. Sorry, a year. I don't think that's going to make a huge difference. <laughs> no, it, it, it wouldn't. Um, so uh, what aspect of the English Whiskey Society's inaugural festival are you looking forward to yourself, uh, Richard? Is, is there something you've added into this festival that you really want to experience yourself? Um we're going to have fascinating sessions. We've got some amazing cocktails. In fact, I, I can announce here for the first time, um, this hasn't gone out publicly yet, but we actually have Mr. Lion himself uh, making a cocktail for us on the Friday night. So um, if, if you don't know the name, I, I suggest you Google it. He is uh, Britain's number one cocktail mixologist, if not one of the leading in the world. Uh, and we're absolutely honoured that he's going to take part. Uh, him, him and his team are going to uh, produce a cocktail for us on, on the Friday night between our two panel sessions um so yeah that that's very very exciting and i can't wait to see what he's going to mix up for us um now, now you won't know this you won't know this but marty actually hates cocktails no no justin justin don't no, <laughs> that's not i'm a bit of a purist i i, I prefer thing in, in its own raw naked form uh but but cocktails have their place just not in my mouth mostly you know <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's I think it's great to to encourage people to enjoy whiskey however they enjoy it. So you know, if you like if you like the neat product and that's the way you drink it, fantastic. Um, I always say to people, if you're going to mix whiskey with cola, 
please do it with a heavily peated one. Make a smoky cokey, and I'll have one as well. But um, yeah, it's, it, we want people to enjoy it, and so cocktails are a great way to to kind of add that extra layer of excitement. There was a, lots of vodka-based cocktails, and really all that they were doing was adding alcohol to uh, like a fruit punch. That was really all they were doing. Whenever you actually have flavoured spirits, it actually contributes to the overall flavour. But I, I, just for me, I'm not a cocktail. I, you can see Justin. Justin would have an umbrella and a sparkler, you know, one of those twirly Del Boy type cocktails. That, that would suit Justin. Listen, just, I, I would I would love that. This this, <laughs> this is this is me at my festival because instead of just having like pot still PD, you know, uh, malt or, or or whatever, you actually have. A drink, drink, you know, one one that you can savor, and, and it really goes well with. I always think cocktails go well with a, a big a plate of food or something like that. There, but Ryan uh, Lyon there, uh, he's a real coup for you to to have. I mean, it uh, are these people are these people doing it for 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 free for you, or are you are you having to buy them in, or they're they going stir crazy in the in the lockdown and only too glad to say, yeah, I'll mix a drink for you. Um, we're very lucky that that you know. Pretty much everyone is 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 taking part uh, because they want to support English whiskey. They want to support English whiskey distilleries. That's fabulous. The society is brand new. It's a hobby. I can promise you, no one's making any money out of this event. Um, so so yes, it's, it, it's great that everyone is is being so kind. But but also I think it shows that there is a genuine excitement and uh, willingness to be part of this English whiskey scene as it as it develops and grows. Um, so, you know, Ryan, Mr. Lyon, he's already worked with some English whiskey. He's already aware of the quality and he's excited to, to be part of that. So, and then we've also got um, our quiz on the Friday night, which is hosted by Boutique Dave Worthington uh, and Andy from Maltbox, uh, another fantastic YouTube channel. Sorry, plugging your, your, your competitors there, but oh, no. uh, they're, they're, they're doing a fantastic quiz, which is going to be really good fun. Um, and obviously there's, there's no need for, for a tasting pack for that. So if you have a ticket to any session, you get access to the whole festival. Um, so you can take part in all of the fun. There's loads of prizes to be won. In fact, some of, some of these bottles behind me are <laughs> prizes. So uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. And yeah, we're very lucky how um, open everyone has been to the, to the concept of doing this and, and supportive. So. Well, I think the thing about whiskey that whiskey has over any other spirit is that people have a, a real genuine sense of pride. Uh, that's why the Scots hold on to whiskey. It's Scotch whiskey. You know, they hold on to it. Irish, Irish whiskey, bourbon, they hold on to it. You know, and maybe, maybe with some rum, possibly, but whiskey's really a slightly different creature. And with, with people... Uh, becoming more aware of English whiskey, you know, I mean that's developing. You can, I mean you can see it developing really before our eyes at the minute. So yeah, it's a it's it's a different animal. It carries a more kudos with it than than than, than gin would. I'm sorry to say. I, I think the thing is, gin is gin is very scientific. You know, you can you can work very hard to create very complex and interesting flavors. And I love a gin and tonic, but but whiskey, you need the science, but you also need the magic. You know, you need, you need to, to trust in your instincts. You need to leave things uh, and hope that in three years' time or more, you're going to have the product that you set out to create. And I think it's that sense of the unknown, the wonder, the, the, you know, the, the magic around it that makes it such a fascinating and much-talked-about topic and, and product. So. I think so. Uh, you do have that genuine sort of pride about it, which I don't think really comes with any other spirit. Uh, 
the French possibly with their wine. That's a, that's a very different animal altogether, you know. So it is. But uh, you going to speak, Justin? Yeah, I was, was going to say, where where is English whiskey going to go in the next uh, five years? What's what's going what's going to happen? What do you think you're going to see uh, d develop? Do you think you'll see some of these smaller artisans places bought over by the big conglomerates as they maybe well, obviously the big brands aren't going to feel threatened, but but some of the smaller brands might think, well, actually this is a good this is a good fit. You know, we might have uh, there might be a synergy there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know one of the, the one of the gin brands, uh, Pin Gin, have actually just been bought out by a, uh, a sort of slightly larger branding company to, to sort of elevate their uh, their product. And I think you know that there will be acquisitions and the usual uh, you know trading within within the sector. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if one of the big industry spirits players you know starts to take notice in the next couple of years. Um, but I hope that as many distillers as possible can retain their independence and their independent spirit, because that's what I think at the moment sets English whiskey apart from, from Scotch is, is the sense that there is no big, uh, you know, obviously there's investment, but it's, it's not on the scale of, of your kind of, you know, your big um, Scotch companies and, uh, you know, that time may come and, and that might be a, a, a necessity for the, for the category to grow. Um, but as long as it retains that, that independence and that, that spirit and that, that sense of it being the wild west and everything being possible, then hopefully it will retain its heart. I don't, I don't think some of the big players coming in at a certain point it would be a bad thing. You know, I think they would be quite happy to sit back and let the innovation and see where, where it goes and then they can flood the thing with money, you know, which is it's kind of what they do. But, uh, no, I, I mean, there's a real place for everybody. And with all these different uh, expressions and cask finish and production methods and so on and so forth, wait, what's not to like about it? You know, what there's, I, I think it's fabulous. And I do see lots of similarities between English whiskey and, and Irish whiskey. Uh, over here, we have lots of new innovative uh distilleries, we have lots of new innovation with casks, etc, etc and in some ways some of the bigger players are actually playing catch up to some of the smaller guys, you know and you can see exactly the same thing happening in England, it's just we're maybe, as I say, maybe five, possibly ten years ahead of where England is but it's 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 fabulous it's fabulous and for every for every distillery that does go on that route further down the line, you know, there's going to be another new one starting out. And and that, you know, I think you said what's going to change in English whiskey in the next few years. My travel bill is going to go up exponentially. <laughs> there's so many I've got to go and visit now. I thought it was about 14 about a year ago. And now we're kind of on 26. And every every now and then you hear rumour that someone else is just starting up. So, um, but, you, you know, it's very exciting and, and hopefully... Um, you know, they are the, the Cotswolds and the English and the lakes of the next six, 10, 12 years. And, you know, that, that keeps feeding the, the pipeline, really, of exciting new releases. Richard, how are these uh, new whiskey distilleries being funded? Is it through existing businesses or, or are they doing it through crowdfunding? I, I know that there's a bit of everything going on out there. Um, some have, have, have seen sort of in, individual investment. Um, some have gone through more uh, more traditional investment routes, and some have have crowdfunded. And, and you know, I, I know that you know, sort of Henstone is is a group of friends that came together, and, and you know, they really wanted to bring their passion to life. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I don't I don't know all the ins and outs of, of the funding, but yeah, there's definitely some that were crowdfunded, like um, like Cooper King. Um, and I think again, you know, that's interesting. There's lots of different ways, that, lots of different models. Um, a lot of the gin distilleries are obviously starting to look at producing whiskey if it hadn't been part of their plans already. So, um, yeah. I don't question the finance as long as the product's good. I don't mind. No, that, that that's that that's it. Uh, we had some people last night. Did you notice some of the comments last night, Murray? Some people were saying they tried some of the English whiskey and, and they thought it was they thought it was getting there. If if not there already, but the, anyway, uh, that's uh, a good forty five minutes. Thank you very much for joining us tonight, uh, Richard. Uh, you're, you're the founder of the English Whiskey Society. Did how did you come up with the idea? So actually, it was um, I was running tastings locally uh, here in South London, and um, a fantastic uh, social enterprise called Ignition Brewery, uh, and we were doing like themed tasting nights. So I did a Six Nations, um, which was tricky. I did manage to get a bottle of Puni Alba out of Italy, which uh, is not an easy easy thing to do. But um, I was really impressed with the English whiskey that we had on on that tasting, and did a little bit of research and, and realised that there were lots of distilleries out there, but there was no central source of information, no hub. Uh, other than Cooper King's fantastic map, which, uh, as I said, keeps uh, keeps needing updating, but um, yeah, it was very much just there's a gap here, and and I was keen to be the one to fill it. Um, obviously, we've got a long way to go. We still don't even have the website live because the festival has been the focus of, of 2020. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, there'll be lots of exciting new things happening uh, from the new year. We're looking at you know how we can bring more English whiskey product into our members' hands. Um, obviously, tastings, events tours uh, you know the whole the whole shebang really so yeah watch this space and, and do uh sign up to our our mailing list if you're interested to find out what's going to happen next that'd be the best way to, to stay updated with all of the latest news excellent stuff thank you very much thank you marty for another night thank you richard yeah thank you cheers. Much, guys. cheers for having me take care bottoms up cheers cheers